we've saved you a seat. Welcome to Train Station at 8, a place to gather with friends and talk about music for a while, particularly video game music. This is going to be episode 15, and today we are going to be talking about just one song. We're doing things a little differently than we normally do it here. We're going to just be discussing a single song and see if we can uh, maintain a decent conversation for long enough. So this may be a shorter episode because this is experimental for us, but hey. We think it'll be interesting, and you hope you will, too. Joining us for that today is, of course, my co-host and brother, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Hello, it's it's me, your co-host and brother. Yeah, that's very descriptive. Yeah. And original of you to say. Thanks. Also joining me today are two other podcasting brothers who we've had on here before, Will and Carl. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Howdy. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And you guys all run your own music video game podcast, right? Yes, that's correct. That's true. Uh, Super, Mar- Super Marcata Brothers. Well, oh, you, right, almost you guys almost did that in unison. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was good. <laughs> and Brian, we almost yep. said, you almost said that We in only practiced it ten times. So <laughs> we almost got it. Just It's all Skype's fault at this point. Everything <laughs> is pretty difficult. Fault. I think I've discovered that. But yeah, that is a podcast I listen to quite often and oh, really yeah. love. So it's really awesome having you all back. Yeah, thanks for having us back. We had a great time the first uh, time we were here talking about Mario music. So glad to be back. Yes, and we're not straying too far from that in today's episode. We are going yeah. to be talking about <laughs> Donkey Kong music for our single song here. It's going to be, what was the name of the song, Stephen? Island Swing from Donkey Kong Country. Exactly. Pretty much the most famous song uh, of in, of the entire Donkey Kong series. Yes. Yeah, it's probably the song that popped into your head when I said Donkey Kong music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Plus it was the do 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 Maybe that. <laughs> I was just thinking Donkey Konga. There's no more musical Donkey Kong came out there. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yes, we're going to be spending today talking about all the small things the entire episode. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, it's, I would say Island Swing is definitely the most uh, remixed and rehashed uh, song from the series by far. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Will, you were saying before you were a little worried when you first saw our email saying we we're going to spin the episode on one song. Yeah, well, when we got the email, I, I got it in the morning. I woke up and I was reading through it. And then I got to the part mm-hmm. where you're like, we're going to do an episode on one song. And I was really nervous because I'm like, how can we, you know, maintain a conversation <laughs> on one track, even if it's the best track? So I like silently in my head as I'm reading, I'm sort of making this list of like, it can't be this. It can't be that. You know, it has to be something <laughs> of substantial importance to video games. It has to be a good song right. and it has to be kind of long and diverse enough to kind of dissect it in parts and yeah. i this isn't even one that i had really thought of but as soon as i read it i'm like oh my it's gosh perfect. what a perfect choice well because and we'll get into it but you know it's divided in these little movements uh it's kind of a rare yeah. piece of music uh, for this era where it's you know it's constructed from completely separate movements and it's pretty cool well, it definitely <laughs> is a rare piece of music that is accurate <laughs> <laughs> Rare, rare, very it is good. A rare. <laughs> I just Loved got it. that. <laughs> I'm hilarious, man. That's great. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I don't blame you at all, Will. When Brian was the one pushing for this idea, and I, I was just as nervous as you were. I'm like, is this going to be like uh-huh. a 15 minute episode? I don't know. I, I think you were the one to come up with this song in particular, though, and it, yes. it fit really well, Stephen. So, yes. good job on that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I wanted to do it just because we've been doing a lot of similar episodes in Train Station for a while, doing series discussion like we did with Mario. We did that for Kirby. We did that right. for uh, Star Fox and so on. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it would be fun to do something that a lot of our conversations we've had on the on the show have been fun when they go more in-depth. So I saw, thought mm-hmm. choosing a topic that was itself really in-depth and focused in would be fun to do, even if it is just a shorter episode. I definitely wanted to try something different. Yeah. And, so, and that's totally. one of the big reasons I wanted to bring you guys on, because even if 
we're probably missing a lot of stuff in this music <laughs> that you can pick up on because you're composers in your own right. You know, right. just listening to the Mark Otto Bros show, that's kind of what you do. You really look critically at this music and you're able to kind of pick apart the more interesting bits. So, Yeah, I mean, fun. I think the, the whole idea behind our podcast is to just sit down and record the conversations we would normally have just nerding out about video game music in our own <laughs> life, which we do all the time. So I think that's that's why we have so much fun you now coming on this kind of a show. Yeah. Absolutely. That was definitely similar to to our um, incentive for this show because we're like, oh, what do we talk about all the time on our own time and what are we really passionate <laughs> about? It's like, well, video right. games, the main difference is we just don't know as much about it, but yeah. hey, we still have fun. So we bring people on. So before we get on to the, uh, the song we've really built up here, Island Swing, I'm going to go ahead and go with our first question here, which is what have you all been listening to? Um, Will, we'll start with you. Okay, so, well, um, in the video game music spectrum, I've been really, really listening to a lot of uh, Metroid music. Really? Uh, I'm actually, I'm working on a big kind of comprehensive project where I'm making original compositions in the style of uh, a multitude of titles in the series. So I have some 8-bit tracks that sound like Metroid. I have some stuff that sounds like Super Metroid. And I'm going to be working on stuff that sounds kind of like the Prime era stuff. But anyway, so I've been, the, the Metroid series unlike something like mario where when you think about like the best music where it just has like one really truly great composer you know metroid has a multitude of composers so kind of listening to their music and their style and the kind of ambient nature of the metroid music is something that kind of challenges me compositionally so i've been really getting into a lot of metroid and appreciating that stuff and also uh the music of The Last of Us, which is much more mm -hmm. minimal as well, and that's mm -hmm. just another one of my favorite games. Other than video game music, uh, I really, really, really love the new Michael Jackson album. I've just been playing that on loop. I have the CD. I play it in my car like every day. It just picks me up no matter what. But my two favorite. I love the. Uh, I love whenever you tell someone, "Oh, I'm listening to the new I Michael Jackson really album." Their their face. I like to watch their face. I'm because, sorry, like, I don't Wait have a second. <laughs> I'm like, are we recording this in the 80s? Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> the album is called Escape, and it, it consists of unreleased uh, oh, tracks okay. that they kind of are, you know, sprucing up to make them modern mm -hmm. and fresh. It's it's actually a really great album. Yeah, my, my two favorite are uh, the single, which is Love Never Felt So Good, and then there's this other track called Loving You, and they're both so old school. And, I mean, knowingly so, they were written um, in an older era. I think the... the, the uh, I think that... The um, Love Never Felt So Good was recorded in between Off the Wall and Thriller. So there's a lot of like older era Jackson stuff and there's just some classic songs in there. And it's a really fun album with some great production. So I guess, yeah, that's sort of uh, the type of stuff that I've been listening to lately. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I, that's actually really cool that they had that stuff to release because like, when he, he died and all that, it's kind of like, well, we're never going to get any more of the music from that artist. No, the idea that so more sad. of it exists is kind of fascinating in its sort own way. Sort of from the literary world, it kind of reminds me of when J.R.R. Tolkien passed away, his son continued compiling all the old writings and yeah. completing them and publishing them and such. So yeah, more right. echoes from that person's mind. So that's really cool. Uh, what about you, Carl? Uh, I guess starting off with uh, video game stuff, uh, we recently... Uh, sat down and talked with uh, Darren Korb for our podcast. And so I've been listening awesome. to a lot of his music. He did the most recent, um, well, I mean, he works at Supergiant. So yes. Bastion 
was his first thing and then Transistor most recently. So I've been listening to, uh, you know, obviously a lot of that music to prepare for that episode and to edit that together. Um, but I, yeah. I would have listened to it anyway because I just love those soundtracks yes. so much. What did you think of Transistor? I, I got about maybe the third of the way through and I want to go back to it. Uh, what do you think of the soundtrack? Um, I absolutely love it. And it's possible that I may like it slightly more than Bastion. I haven't mm. fully decided yet, but I really am a big fan of... Uh, it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit yes. more electronic. Uh, there's a lot of tension that he, that he creates with, and he talks about this in our interview, with kind of having multiple meters and time signatures kind of going on yeah. at once to, mm-hmm. to give some some tension. But there's some really beautiful, subtle moments on there, too. Uh, it's just a very diverse uh, soundtrack. So, yeah, listening to that. Um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Kevin Van Ord for GameSpot, who we've actually had on the podcast before, recently wrote an article on the music of Transistor and talked with Darren Corbett about it. So you might want to check that out. It's actually really good. Oh, oh that's very neat. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Will. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying you guys should, uh, listeners as well, should check out, I think, when this comes out, our um, our interview with Darren and our whole mm-hmm. episode talking about his music will come out um, the upcoming Monday from when this episode is released. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah so uh, trying to think other game stuff. Uh, there's a soundtrack called uh, Major Magnet, which I think it's like an iPhone game or something. The only mm-hmm. reason I know about it is because there's this YouTube musician um t lopez that i'm a big fan of and uh it's a game that he did the music for so i've been just kind of listening to that it's kind of a a weird one that most people don't know but um i would say other than game music stuff i've been really into the new hiromi album Uh, i don't know if you guys know there's a new hiromi album yeah yeah so for anyone who doesn't know hiromi is um a phenomenal jazz pianist uh a japanese jazz pianist uh she's super super cute and quirky and just has a really energetic uh presence it's just really fun to go down a uh, wormhole of uh hiromi youtube videos if you ever you know have an entire night that you'll oh, be she's bored awesome. but, uh <laughs> yeah so hiromi is uh i saw her um in minneapolis a couple years ago it's one of my favorite shows i've ever been to but she has a new album with her trio of um anthony jackson and simon phillips and simon phillips is the drummer oh, cool. for like Toto and like Jeff Beck and he did some stuff with The Who and all, Tears for Fears, all kinds of stuff. So, um, so yeah, that's the new album that I've really been digging. Uh, that's really say. cool. Uh, hey, hey here's a question: Do you guys ever watch any anime of any sort? Uh, like no, Miyazaki, the last, but I, I don't watch yeah. any. Like, uh, I don't watch a lot of Japanese anime or I. I yeah, I'm with Will. I'm with yeah. I'm mostly the same way. There are only a couple I've enjoyed in my life. One of them, um, and I don't want to get too off topic, but it's called Kids on the Slope. And the conceit is essentially, I think it takes place in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's you know, at first it seems like, oh, another anime about high school kids. I want to watch this. But the whole um, theme is jazz. And it's the characters learning to appreciate and play the music. And That's awesome. They like adapt real songs from real musicians, and no joke, it's like was like my introduc- introductory to enjoying jazz music. That sounds That's cool. Awesome. I, I would be I would be interested to see what someone like you would think of Hiromi, someone who's not super into jazz, because mm-hmm. I think um, one reason that I really got into her, to be quite honest, is she has a lot of video game influence. Uh, early on in some of her albums, she does a lot of really fun, like crazy synth stuff that kind of sounds like video game music. And uh, as far as like compositionally, she really likes Jap- Japanese pop mm-hmm. and like folk mm-hmm. music. So there's a lot of, 
um, kind of other influences, not just jazz in right. her music. So I think, uh, I don't know, it's something that I think a lot of people that enjoy video game music would probably enjoy Hiromi. I like the idea of making an anime about jazz music because those feel like two almost completely opposite I know, cultures I know. coming together. It's, it's a but, really interesting. But at the same time, jazz is, other other than America, Japan is one of the places where jazz is so popular. So it makes sense. Uh-huh. But of course, yeah, jazz know. music never influences video games. I mean, we we can definitely. <laughs> that. Sure. No, that's a ridiculous thought. Get that off this show, Stephen. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of like uh, jazz cats, like really heavy bands, like Japan is like the place that they'll go to. You know, that I feel like there's always fans in Japan of like almost any jazz group. You know, they can always go to Japan and find a fan base. Hmm, just another reason to love Japan, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, anything else, Carl? Trying to think. No, I mean, just like listening to music every week to prepare for the podcast, yeah. you know, uh, trying to think of what else. Uh, we're doing a Mega Man 2 episode, so I was just kind of getting all that stuff ready mm. and just kind of getting it all, you know, organized. So I, you know, yep. was listening a little bit to that, but That's all great. kinds of stuff. Are you going to listen through all of the remixes of Wiley's theme? No, we're we're just going to do an episode where we just literally play every track from Mega Man 2 and just really focus wow, on it. Wow, that's really cool. Oh, good. Uh, so... Yeah, I guess you could get through that. How many tracks does that game have? Uh, in earnest, I would say about 16 actual yeah. pieces of music, if you don't count the little five-second Yeah, transitions and stuff like yeah, that. I'd say about 15 or 16, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, what about you, Steven? Well, um, I'm trying to remember... What I've actually been doing is I've been going through my iTunes library, um, mm-hmm. and anything that I have not already rated. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. obsessively rating everything one to yeah. five stars. So that's been kind of keeping me busy. It's been very random. Um, but I recently went through, um, and started listening to some of Jake Kaufman's soundtrack. For Oh, wow. That's another wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done an episode on him? No, but we're we're gonna probably have him on the podcast. Yeah, we wanna we wanna save an episode so. for when we can have him. But he's so awesome. Yeah, we play. His yeah, he's music one of our absolute favorites. Um, as far as just like people that are active nowadays that are mm-hmm. combining old old school with new school, I we just yeah. we're a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, the thing that always impresses me most about him, and beyond just the quality of all of his music, is the variety he manages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can go from one style and then make another soundtrack that you would never guess it's the same person just because he's doing a completely different genre. See, what yeah. I love about this is we're able to kind of, we're kind of cheating. We're not just talking about one song. We're able to talk about <laughs> all kinds of different stuff. <laughs> there you this, go. This is like the, the warm-up. If you're, going to, if you're yep. going to compare it to jazz, that's where we're all just tuning our instruments and <laughs> little ditties and stuff. Um, and Brian, you have a very good point that Jake knows how to hone in on a specific um, like concept or style and just nail it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the soundtrack I've been listening to, he takes two styles and nails them both at the same time. And what are those? Um, and we talked about this last week with Jason Napolitano, but I haven't been listening to a ton, but I did buy the Boot Hill Heroes soundtrack, which is directly merging like the classic Square RPGs, the Final Fantasies of the SNES with a cheesy western all of the western oh, right first. yeah jason did talk about that yes and it's I wonder if it sounds anything like wild arms in that case um i'm not, that kind of reminds me of wild arms your description right there i i'm i barely know any of wild arms music mm-hmm. but it's pretty much that what you just said yeah uh, <laughs> it, it, it it is very similar 
but it Jake definitely um, was able to use the li- like the library of SNES sounds to great effect. Like it sounds so, super convincing. We asked oh, that's cool. this, and now that we have a second uh, second pair of ears, is there a lot of whistling? I oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't run across a lot personally. Okay. But I haven't You're finished the whistle. album. I more Because that's what Wild Arms means to me is all the whistling. <laughs> I would be shocked, nay dismayed, if there was no whistling in this album. Wait, does he only use SNES sounds? Okay. Um well I don't know if I mean I don't know the detail of Do they how all sound it? like that he played on a SIS. Essentially sit with other elements. Okay. I'm curious to see how he does that because Carl Cause and it's I not have very done it common. a couple times. Yeah, the way we do it is we actually like since when you get the SPC files, you can separate each individual channel, just like record audio from a song and then rip specific notes and then put them into like a sample player and pitch them up and down. And so it's really tedious. Like for my Metroid project, I ripped like 200 or something different samples. Um, but it, it's the only way that Carl and I have found to make it convincing. I know they have like sound fonts or something, but yeah, I'm curious when if you're he was done, able to program something or I don't know. How yeah, he when you're done. done with that really tedious process, it does sound very convincing. So I'd be curious to know what he did. Yeah, I magic. I'm probably magic he just has magic. Probably Jake <laughs> Kaufman magic that oozes out of his uh, uh, eyeballs or whatever. But um, I love that because a lot of his stuff has been very kind of FM based. It reminds me more of like Genesis style stuff. So yeah, I really he's like done, that he's doing. He's done SNES. a lot of mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he's done stuff that sounds just like Sega arcade he has, music. Like, a whole album of stuff in that style. Yeah. He's, yeah. um, he's done a lot of that. Uh, so, Steven, how, what else have you been listening to? What else have I been listening to? Um, oddly enough, I can't seem to stop listening to the Sims 3 soundtrack. Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, and I feel like I've talked about it. And you mentioned that it's too, making you, like, obsessed with playing the Sims 3. It really is. I don't have time to play the Sims 3 right now, but I might have to anyway. It's really good music. It just puts me in a good mood every time. Um, I'm actually... I'm probably going to try to see if we can get... Um, What's his name? I think it's Steve Jablonski or something. Um, we should probably figure out how to pronounce his name before we get him on the show. Probably. We never do that, though. I'd <laughs> like to get him on the show. And I, I realized uh, recently that he's not going to be doing The Sims 4, which kind of makes me sad. Oh, no. Who is? Um, Koji Kondo, actually. Yeah, he's... Uh, Koji Kondo uh, and Sir are going to be teaming up to bring us The Sims 4. They're bringing uh, Soyo Oka back from original oh, Sim City. <laughs> <laughs> Soyo Oka, she did the SNES version of SimCity. Oh, wouldn't that be a crazy reveal? That's like that would be she like also bringing did... David Wise back for a new Donkey Kong. No, but game. That would she's yeah. legendary. Oh wait, she, that she happened. Did, uh... <laughs> yes, yes. She did. also did All Stars and um, Super Mario Kart. Oh, nice. She's great. Yeah, indeed. Um, all right, Stephen. Anything else? Uh, nothing else of note. It's all so <laughs> scattered. I can't really remember. Well, I want to get on to the main topic here, so I will not take very long in what I've been listening to. I just want to point out one album, but partially because our last guest had a hand in it being made, as in he put it all together. I'm listening to Prescription for Sleep. Uh-huh. But what that basically is, is Jason Napolitano went uh, to, I forget the name of the artist now, but he's the guy who arranged the Snake Eater theme um, oh, for yes. Solid 3 and play the saxophone for it. And he went to him and said, okay, I have a bunch of different video game songs. Could you make versions of these songs basically lullaby or calming or good to go to sleep to? Um, 
and the guy basically did a bunch of covers of different video game songs with piano and saxophone, very calming and relaxing. So I've been listening to that as I go to sleep. He does uh, something from Near, Dire Dire Docks from Super Mario 64, and then Made it in Black from Demon Souls, and a lot of different other songs. So I've been really enjoying that. It's a very, very good album. That's great. I, I, I still haven't listened to it yet, but um, I have to ask you, ha- has it helped you go to sleep yet? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm glad you hear that it works. It does work. Uh, and I listen to music all the time I go into sleep, so it's like the perfect album for me. Relevant to this um, episode, he also did Aquatic Ambience from Donkey Kong Country. Oh, like of course. Perfect. Yeah, that has to be on there. Perfect choice. That's cool. All right. So moving on to Donkey Kong, uh, I'm going to ask a question here about the piece, and that is going to be a pretty simple question. So before we begin... We invite you listeners to listen to the song in full so you know what we're talking about. So here is Island Swing from Donkey Kong Country. What stands out to you most about the piece? 
I think my problem here is there are a lot of things that stand out about it. Well, that's why I put the word most in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> For me, I guess I would say uh, just sort of the integration of the very primal, I guess, ape-like mm-hmm. uh, rhythmic drive of it. Like, mm-hmm. the thing that stands I think out the percussion. To me, I yeah, have the, the percussion the kinda, written down. Yep, that yeah, was my swelling, answer. The swelling nature of it. Like, I just like how it grows. It starts off with just a percussion. And then slowly the chords fade in. And so it's a really long time before you get... Yeah, it's a really long time before you actually get into the... Which is like... Yeah, and what I like about that is that melody is just so kind of fun, jazzy, David Wise awesomeness, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel foreign in a, that kind of jungly environment because he took so long kind of establishing the groove and everything and really immersing you in that kind of percussive sound. Yeah, that's actually also, a good I think, point because it yeah, it like got you into this beat of like, oh, I'm in a jungle. And it's like, hey, this jungle kind of has a beat to it. And then he puts one layer of percussion and another layer of percussion and a third layer of percussion until you're like getting into the beat of the jungle and you're so into realizing that that's actually kind of a groovy sound that the melody on top of that fits when he puts it in there. Well, I think the reason why it fits on so many levels is because not only beginning when it's just the drums, that Mm -hmm. obviously that sounds like a jungle. That sounds great. You know, it reminds us of, you know, primal apes. But when the jazz kind of big band feel comes in there, the reason why I think that is so on the nose is because that's like... That's something like uh, like jungle jazz music, like something like. Do you guys know the song "Sing Sing Sing"? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a famous jazz song that starts off with. It's a similar kind of a drum beat, and that's kind of called a jungle beat in jazz music. So I think that Dave obviously was kind of influenced by pieces like that, that's a good uh, point. and that's kind of why he was going for that jazz or early kind of almost Dixieland, like really early jazz mm-hmm. kind of a sound there. So that's why I think that um, those two sections are both. That's so a great observation. I really, I, I never thought about it like that, but I think you're you're right. And I think one of my favorite things about it is um, that the the swung feel. I mean, I know it has swing in the name, but when you start off, because again, you don't start off with any kind of semblance of jazz elements really because mm-hmm. uh like the song that carl was mentioning those are more kind of like tom fills where this sort of gives you more of like an african drum kind of yeah. feeling uh but what i like about it it's swung so it's not da 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 it's <laughs> it, oh, what's it crazy that is that to it, but with those kind of jungly elements mm-hmm. but like What's interesting is the whole song isn't swung though. So after that section, and it, it's I actually think one thing that I always am surprised by is how brief the uh, oh, yeah. how brief yeah. that section is. It's like twenty seconds of that, and then all of a sudden it stops and it goes into a straight feel. Yeah, yeah, which is like a completely different song. But I love it because the environment in the game like changes, like the weather changes and the sun starts setting, and it really it it works so well for the game. And I think it showcases the true power of the SNES because we have like these really powerful visuals and tight mechanics, but then we have not only impressively uh, sounding, you know, technical music, but also the fact that it can have these different movements and sections, I think is just a great kind of um, standout introduction into that, not only that game, but that series. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah I'd say sh- the short answer, what stands out most is the drums, I, I would say. Yep, I had that written down as well, the percussion. Uh, so a point earlier I was going to make about like the transition is I think something else that helps it go from just this tribal sound to the jazz sound as they bring in that bass line. 
kind of like yeah. is mm. the in between. That bridges the gap. Two. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But um, yep, I it's have so exciting when you hear that bass line. Yes, in there. it's like okay, this is now it's getting real. Uh, I had the percussion down. Stephen, what did you had down for your answer? Um, well, mine was the pacing, which we kind of already went over, which is how it slowly, slowly builds up. I mm-hmm. really like the fact that you guys caught on to the the whole. It starts you out just in a, in a jungle. It even has like some like has some birds or something in the background. Yeah, he loves yes. all those different like ambient sound effects. Yeah. as yep. percussive elements in his music. I always find that funny, like bird chirping or like uh, in the song in Donkey Kong Country 2 where like the, the factory, yeah, where he uses all the different yeah. sounds of like, oh, the yeah. pedal working mm-hmm. to create yep. mm-hmm. the groove. I think that's kind of playful. It reminds me of kind of like the um, the comedic nature of Rare games where it's like a lot of the things about it are kind of tongue in cheek and almost like a joke and played for laughs. Yep. I really love that. Yeah, but great. then the advantage of incorporating the sound effects is that then nothing's going to cut out and you're in complete control yeah. and you're never going to have to worry about, oh, there's a sound effect now. So the, the you know, the melody is going to cut out like he's in control of having the sound effects kind of incorporated into the music the whole time. I loved Rusty Bucket Bay from Banjo-Kazooie. He'd used a lot of like the, the boat whistles and stuff like that in between the melody. Um, so it's a nice history for Rare to get to use those sound effects in their actual compositions. Sure. I mean, Grant uh, Grant Kirkhope taking on the whole, hey, we almost went through an episode without saying the words Grant Kirkhope. <laughs> he definitely took on that mantle of um, yeah. implementing sound effects into the beginning and ends and even middles of yeah, some of his compositions. In yeah, you had like the, the spooky sound effects in Mad Monster yep. Mansion. and yep. Uh, yep. But yeah, it, it was the pacing that stood mm-hmm. out to me. Very rarely will a, a platformer from this genre, from this, just this genre or this um, era takes so much time to slowly introduce you to the music um, to the point where y- you could be in the middle of it and be like, how the heck did I get here? <laughs> like, I wasn't paying attention. I was just tapping along with my foot. But yeah, it's a really, really fun piece. All right. So question number three, what are some of this piece's biggest weaknesses? I think this is going to be a tougher one. Yeah, I had a yeah. hard time. This is a really hard question. I, the only way I, c- I can really answer this is I think – the thing about this piece is the weakness is also the strength. So for me, in some ways, the the, the nature of having these separate movements tied together, it's it's difficult yep. because it's not traditional. It's not the form that you hear a lot of classic video game music. I think personally, that's one of the things that makes this piece stand out. But I do think that for some players, the fact that it's the first level, it's possible uh, they might kind of be what's going on here? Why is it changing so drastically? Well, I think yeah, it was kind I of a ballsy have move. have that opinion, but... Yeah, I think yeah, it was a ballsy it is... move because you... Uh, typically, like, for great video game melodies, they have the luxury of just repeating endlessly forever and ever. <laughs> and so, well, yeah. by well, kind of switching that... sections, you don't get to hear that melody as many times, so it really has to stand on its own merits and well, yeah. doesn't have the luxury of repetition. So well, One thing I, I yeah. did, I did want to mention uh, before we move on is... Um, Will and I had the luxury of why well, I think I'm so happy we're here today is we had the luxury to interview Dave Wise, uh, oh. you know, a few months ago for our podcast. Fantastic. So we got kind of some inside scoop of this piece and kind of the origins of Donkey Kong Country, which I would love to share with you guys today. Yeah, uh, one of the things that's so unique about this uh, Jungle Swing Island Swing song is that he had no idea 
he was making this when he was doing he was just working on a demo almost like a tech demo that to Rare, show to nintendo to yeah like, to show to nintendo work on donkey Kong country and he was working on a few different options and he literally made three different songs and that's what the song is yeah so i think the he three probably different made, like, parts you know just a are, percussion one and then yeah, probably the, the big band one and then the completely then that, different thing yeah so so anyway, uh, those three songs are are like that because those are the three options he did. And someone at Rare said, oh, why don't you just put them all together? And he literally did that. And that's why it is, it, it, <sighs> which in some ways is a little bit, uh, it kind of loses a little bit of the mystique, but it's kind of cool at the same time to know that's why it is the way it is. So, so there's stories like that, you know, like uh, if you look at film music, the story is that uh, when John Williams was asked to work on the music for Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, he came to Steven Spielberg with two ideas. The first one being... And the second idea he came to him was... And Spielberg was like, why don't you just do both of them? them together? (laughs) I I like stories like that where, you know, a creator comes in with these ideas thinking that they're very intrinsically separate. And sometimes it takes someone from the outside to say, you know what? These are great. Put them together and you have something even better. But the more I think about it, I don't think this piece does really have a weakness. So I can't really answer this question. (laughs) I feel like the closest weakness I can find is, again, also a strength. Because I love the way the SNES sounds. I think it's just brilliant how he was able to bend it this far almost to mm-hmm. its breaking point but unlike um let's say super mario world i feel like super mario world just sounds best on an SBS. i feel like if you could play it with live instruments you could play it with an orchestra whatever you feel like it would it could be enhanced in certain ways but i just want to hear it through the SNES ultimately right see i feel that same way about donkey kong country man i mo- i i feel like i love it this way but it almost seems like it's just begging to be using the actual instruments. Well, so, I, I yeah. see what you're saying, Stephen, and I, I think the thing is, um, for majority of the soundtrack, I would argue that I think the SNES versions are just the complete definitive version. But this song is very going for like those three distinct specific sounds, and I think mm-hmm. obviously, like if you had. I don't think there's ever been a completely faithful remix where it's actually gone for what the intention of mm-hmm. the song is. But I bet if something like that existed, I would probably prefer that. And what I think is kind of a missed opportunity is in both uh, Country Returns and Tropical Freeze, they did remixes of this, and none of them featured like real instruments or really kind of captured the style of it. Understandably, because they wanted to kind of make it a remix, but... And also, I mean, when anyone remixes the song, it's all about the that's what they focus on. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they don't focus as much on the build up or the other section. I, I the more I was thinking about, uh, I guess I can think of a little weakness. How the song comes back to the A section again mm-hmm. is a little bit awkward. You know how it goes? It has the drum build up, it has the jazz part, then it has that other kind of ambient straight part. Yep. At the end of that, leading back into the beginning again, I feel like that's a little bit awkward. Well, yeah, because yeah, it's just switching back between the straight and swung fields. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for my, and it's kind of funny knowing knowing now, like like literally that he did, he just put those three together. Yeah. Like he didn't probably spend a lot of time. <laughs> it makes doing a lot more transition. sense. What were you uh, saying, Brian? Yeah. I was saying for the weakness I put down, actually, for this question, I had just put sudden transitions um, because right. they're the same thing. 
and I thought that was the only problem with it is I was wondering if like did they play at different parts of the level suddenly or something because like when it goes from that first song to the second it kind of cuts in the middle almost of a note to the new percussion right. and then yeah sure, that's a good point yeah and so. I guess I Stephen I I do I I really like what you said where it's like I think the difference is that with Donkey Kong Country he, you know the samples are so convincing that for the mm-hmm. first time you can mm-hmm. really tell what instruments he's trying to evoke where yes. with Mario World and a lot of early SNES games it's like it obviously it was still was sample based the way that the SNES sound chip hardware works but they they didn't really convey real instruments as much as just kind of their own new timbres. So when you listen to something like Mario World, it's just such a distinct sound, and there aren't really any real instruments that right. you could point to that could really replace it and feel completely yeah. organic. Like, I mean, so you could I hear like steel drums in a couple of the songs. Yeah, for but some of the very stuff. Few. But, but a when lot you of steel like, drums, like, yeah, the intro to a level of music like it, it's yeah, like, like a what would that be played with? It's played with an SNES. That's what it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. So because it's played with a saxophone and that sort of thing, you can it's say, like, okay, totally that doesn't sound like a real saxophone. It's totally a drum. So. Yeah, so it's, it's hardly a weakness. It's extremely impressive they were able to do that, but I'm stretching here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we're all in agreement that the, that the song itself is excellent. And that's, that's why I wanted to include this question, because I know we're going to have many lovely things to say about the song, but I did want to give it, you know, its fair, uh, critical overview. So, I respect yeah. Next question. Okay. Question number four, what do you think about the instrumentation of this piece? And we went over this a little bit just now with, you know, how it sounds, but what do you think of what he chose? And, uh... I think when you talk about instrumentation uh, for the SNES, you have to talk about the sample choices, how he's manipulating the samples, mm-hmm. and the sound, the fidelity of them. I think Donkey Kong Country, the whole series, just blows me away with how good those samples sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that Dave talked about is he kind of used a technique called single cycle, single sample, what was it? Single, single cycle, cycle wave samples. Wave samples, where he would take samples of a very, very small length and he would, um, use those in a way where, uh, it could take up a, like almost no space, but he was able to like have more control than a sample that was longer. Uh, mm-hmm. not a lot of that in this piece, but one thing I will say is, um, just, I don't know how he kind of, adds drum sounds on top of each other and like stacks different yeah. drum sounds together it sounds so lush and it, it just sounds so impressive especially for 1994 mm-hmm. i would have just been blown away at that time so as someone who's worked with snes sampling and that sort of thing before how would you describe the process really like as opposed to composing for other platforms and that sort of thing well i guess for the thing that i would say is uh First of all, Carl and I, we, we don't have experience actually working with the hardware. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way that we've approached it has been kind of trying to look at what uh, the guys did who worked on the SNES and try to mimic that once we are right. able to achieve those sounds because we're not working under the same limitations. We're trying to artificially recreate those limitations. But right. just some things that I've noticed, like I guess if you compare it to like a um, a chip-based sound set like the Genesis or like the SNES or like most game consoles is that uh, the samples play such a big part in it in that each game can have a completely distinct set of sounds and that no two games theoretically could sound the same if you're using different samples or even if you're using some of the same ones. So I think I, the thing that I like about the SNES is it's like it's somehow able to still feel old school and nostalgic with like the way that it compresses those samples. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it 
it's able to feel kind of fresh and new in the context of game music. And I, I think it's like an interesting za- example where it's like there are limitations, but at the same time, it really feels like the first console where the music right. doesn't feel limited in a sense and it doesn't yeah. seem like they're having to overcome a lot of limitations. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I was thinking about when I saw this question about instrumentation is I think that Dave um, made some really good choices with uh, what instruments he was trying to convey because in the jazz section, obviously, you get a lot of good brass and um, woodwind sounds. You get some nice clarinet, and, and that's really Dixieland music. It's really all about the clarinet and the brass, so that is definitely very uh, good choices, I would say, for that section. I also like how in the final kind of more ambient section, it's a little bit more like pan flute and a little more kind of yeah. ethnic sounds, which I, again, thought was just on the nose. For it, to me, yeah, it fits like the jungle vibe. And it's it's fun knowing that there were originally three pieces of music, but putting it all together to me is just like, it's almost three different approaches at a jungle aesthetic. And by having all <laughs> of them together, to me, it like it shows uh, how diverse the Donkey Kong series can be. Whether this was intentional or not, I don't know, but it shows how diverse the Donkey Kong series can be both as far as the gameplay and the music, you know, because it has its playful, fun take on jungle music, but it's still very much uh, kind of like Carl was saying with like Sing Sing Sing, where it does feel like jungle stuff. You have the purely percussion driven section, which definitely feels like uh, almost the most immediate jungle vibe. And then when you do get those more kind of ethnic, sounding instruments i think that also gives another connotation of uh jungles and i like combining it all together because it's it's a very comprehensive um to me it's almost like a thesis statement of like what the game is and Mm -hmm. what the music can be and really like a final push because it came out fairly late in the uh, console's lifespan, so it's just saying, look, look at what we can do with this thing. And it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of confidence to it, which I really admire. It's sometimes hard to remember coming from the future, as we do. Um, but back then, those, the visuals and the music were just mind-blowing. Like, there was almost nothing oh, yeah. else like it. And that this whole song, being in three movements especially, combined with that first level that, like you said, would change throughout it. The weather, it would get stormy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this big establishing shot for this whole video game. Like, this is what you have in store for you. You're going to have levels and levels and levels of this stuff. Yeah. Enjoy. Well, because this level, this was the tech demo. This yeah. jungle level was, what this came out of the tech demo. So this is definitely the most impressive part of the game. If you're going to show someone the game, yep. this first level is just amazing to watch. Yeah. As a kid, I, I still have memories it. of it from when I was like super young. It was one yeah. of the first video games I saw, and it just felt so rich. I remember it was like the first yeah. it was the first platformer that to me really explored the idea of all the different multiple pathways that could still exist mm. in a linear experience. It sort right. of expanded upon what happens in the old Mario games like when you go in a vine or go down a pipe and you're in a bonus area, but to me, especially this first level, there's just so many secrets. Yes. You know, when you get the rhino, you can bust through all those different walls. There's different paths where you take atop the trees where you can shoot the barrel into the sky. It's really like a again, it's like it feels like a thesis statement of like showing you just a taste of uh, every kind of statement that you're going to get um, yeah. throughout the experience. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love it. I totally agree. And sort of one final note for the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. I just want to give him a high five for that piano. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, 
man, that was so cool. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, his really. sampling is so incredible to me because it's like, like he he said that he kind of made his own samples, which is in and of itself cool, but how great they hold up and how they're just better than anything anyone else is doing. And also, he's authentic to the part, you know, it's a great kind of jazz, piano, bluesy line, but that mixed with, like, I agree with you, a lot of SNES piano sounds like, even in Mario World has some of it, and it's mm-hmm. just like, it doesn't necessarily really sound like a piano, or like, I, I've been listening to a lot of the Super Metroid stuff, there's piano sounds, but it it doesn't really necessarily sound like a piano, but you're so right, like, when you hear it in Donkey Kong Country, it's so immediately, that's a piano, and also the part is so authentic you know it's it doesn't feel like digital or inputted it really feels like it has the soul of a performer's you know touch it's not just how the piano sounds it's that it's It's how it's exactly it's played in that like off the cuff little riff sort of way and for me uh, i'm glad you (laughs) i'm glad steven you brought up the piano because that's the first moment Uh, it's one of us it's a very striking moment because the piece builds up and takes its time there are times when I'm listening to it where I'm like, I, I just really wanted to get to that main <laughs> section. So when I hear that, when I hear that piano come in, that like just makes me smile. Like, every yeah. Time. yeah. Now, now it's, you know, it's starting. Real. It's going into it. Yeah. It's kind of, it is the transitionary element between kind of the buildup and the melody. So, mm-hmm. and the buildup is so long because what I love, even after that, then the piano starts doing the chords. And then, like, I just, I love how it builds up. Indeed. So question number five, what does this piece say about its placement in the game? And I think what we meant with this question mostly was like, how does it relate to the actual level and uh, what is it conveying in terms of inside the game? Well, we definitely established the whole demo reel establishing shot kind of aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I had down. Yeah, I said it set the tone for really the whole game going forward. And perhaps something that we haven't mentioned uh, thus far is that when Rare was given this game as their project, they essentially had to set some new rules for this very flimsy character that has, until this point, basically just been a big, dumb Popeye-style villain. Not much character there, yeah, before. (laughs) I think one thing they really set with the tone was combining this idea of... It's a weird thing. Donkey Kong is, like, not entirely an ape, and not entirely a human. You know, his level of intelligence and his level of sophistication. Yes. I mean, he's a, he's a monkey that wears a tie. If you think <laughs> about that, it's really deep. But well, to me, really... he's like a cartoon ape in the style that Mickey Mouse is a mouse. Exactly. I mean, it's like he embodies yeah. the physical characteristics of it to some degree, but he's humanoid and he's larger than life and personified. Exactly. And what I love is like his role in this game is much, since he's the protagonist, he's almost defined in like the way that Mickey is, where he's much more humanoid, where in the original Donkey Kong, his purpose in the story was to be the antagonist. So he was, Mm -hmm. yeah, he was more more like a a Popeye villain. He was just portrayed as like a monster. um, In Donkey Kong, it was probably more like King Kong. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, Universal sued them because they were doing (laughs) so. And, you know, there's Diddy as well, who has a lot more personality and stuff than you would have thought from before. But I think something the music kind of establishes in that direction is it combines, you know, that tribal um, kind of just jungle pri- primal kind of feel, and then it has the more sophisticated jazz elements on top of it. And that's kind of the whole series now. It's like, yes, he's still a monster. Yes, it's still kind of just a tribal um, feel, but then it's also more of a, a right. sophisticated feel. You have the whole Kong yeah, family think- who have this... Uh, 
more civilized. What I think is interesting about this piece is Dave didn't know when he was writing it because, like I said, he was just making music to go along with a tech demo. He really was not thinking that much when he made this piece, which is so surprising. And we specifically asked him, when you wrote this, were you like really happy? Like, oh, I have something special. And he's like, no, it was just another piece that I did. Exactly. Which blows me away. But one thing I think is so interesting about this piece is it really is kind of like a building block of like, this is what Donkey Kong Country music kind of is. Mm -hmm. It has everything in this piece that makes great Donkey Kong. It has like really fun, jazzy kind of swanky stuff. It has more ambient stuff. It really has all the elements of Donkey Kong Country music. And I think it it embodies the kind of concept that I love where it's like, even if the creator doesn't intend something, you know, the story or the emotions that are conveyed by the product that you have that's unchangeable really says something beyond what just they intended it to say. And to me, it's such a great introduction to Rare's take on the franchise and also David Wise's um, kind of staple to the series because it's also mm. great like the title screen how it starts off obviously with the original and goes into the more remix version but since this is the first level theme we hear uh, it kind of does a similar concept where it's like it starts off with just the groove to really kind of feel like, mm-hmm. you know, this is something new. This isn't, you know, this isn't your father's Donkey Kong. You know, this is a much more kind of um, realistic, um, you know, jungle-based kind of thing. But then as it slowly ramps up, we really get into the fun and kind of energy of it. And yeah. it's a great introduction to the diversity of David Wise, but also just sort of his own personal musical touch and since that's probably the most iconic melody arguably of the entire series i think it's a wonderful introduction to it and it like by that point i feel like anyone playing the game would be sold on i really like what they're doing here because it's also been far enough you've been playing enough of the game where it, uh just the mechanics and the level design has already probably yeah. won you over a little bit so by the time that theme comes in it's like you're smiling and you're right there with the big gorilla yeah. It's the perfect first level theme. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point I'd forgotten about when you said, like, out with the old and new. I forgot how blatantly mm-hmm. they had done that in the intro movie for mm-hmm. uh, Dung Country, where they had, you know, uh, Cranky listening to yeah. his old uh, NES. Yeah. And what was funny about that is they, they got the NES sound. It was they were still using samples. So Dave ripped actual, you know, made samples out of the NES <laughs> oh, that's um, so cool. instruments, which is so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Steven, do you have anything for this? Um, I don't, I don't actually, I don't even think so. I think we covered so much of that before. All right. So question number six, how does this piece compare to other songs or games in the series? Well, I think the first thing that uh, popped into my head once I wrote this question down was the fact that later on the Donkey Kong Country music got a lot more, um, electronic, kind of industrial almost. And in what I think is interesting, especially in the third game, I don't know if you guys realize this, some of it got pretty darn tragic. Yeah. Like, there's some really, like, sad-sounding music that Evelyn Fisher composed for the third game. It's great stuff, but it's very kind of experimental and, like, sophisticated. And that's, like, a completely different spirit than this song Mm -hmm. is presenting. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet, I think it's, it's hardly disputable that this is kind of the soul of the Donkey Kong franchise. Absolutely. Yeah, that's well, I, I think this is definitely what Nintendo wants to really hold up. And I also, probably Retro Studios is like, this is sort of the energy that we want to remember for Donkey Kong yeah. Country. But I think some of the things, like if I look at the series, my favorite stuff, 
really my favorite soundtrack is probably uh the second one um mm-hmm. uh it, all dave wise all wonderful music and it really does get more kind of serious and it's where we get introduced to those kind of electronic elements and that, uh, those and are some of my favorite moments swing. of the series yeah and i, I really love stuff. that stuff but i think it's it, it was a great choice um and whether it was a choice or not but it's really good to have the introduction be a little bit more digestible and more kind of I guess traditional video game music and the fact that you have this really catchy, fun, uh, jazzy melody, um, which is a staple of the 8-bit era. And Dave Wise working on a lot of classic games in the 8-bit era as well. So it's sort of like that nice transition into this new style. But yeah, I guess the one thing that's different about this than the other music would be that it doesn't have um, a lot of the kind of things that I think of in the majority of the music in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess if I were to compare this to other songs and games, uh, it's definitely more famous than any other song, followed pretty closely by aquatic ambience, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that it's longer than almost mo- than almost any... Uh, aquatic ambience is even longer, though. But yeah, this this and aquatic ambience are definitely a lot longer than some, some of the other pieces in this mm-hmm. series. That's another thing. It takes its time. It, it builds up emotions more than probably... Again, aquatic ambience is another one that does that, that kind of a thing, too. But uh, yeah, it's... Um, Something about that riff, da, 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 da. it's just yep. it's a classic video game theme that it's just one of the absolute classics. Actually, well, and I think it did have uh, it had some big shoes to fill because while the original Donkey Kong didn't have uh, much music, the music that was there was great. And then on and it was the, actually composed by Miyamoto. But on the and the NES game, um, when they added music for the title screen, that might be like my personal favorite donkey kong theme i mean that's one of the best pieces of video game music in my opinion it's just so perfect and beautiful and it you know what i love is like we talked about how donkey kong the original game is like a nod to king kong in like the 1930s style in the music that song captures that 30s-esque quality which is something that um, I really love. And so while there wasn't a lot of music in the original Donkey Kong, I think Dave had some big shoes to fill. So I think when we're talking about context in the Donkey Kong Country, how it's different, but also, you know, it's a complete departure from anything we'd really heard in the series before. So I think obviously there were like big shoes to fill. And this first track does such a great job of um, showcasing what he can and will do. Yeah, so Will, did um the title theme from the original Donkey Kong, I believe that was composed by Yukio Kaneoka, the person who invented the NES sound chip. Yeah, that's I'm what I think sure so. I'm pretty sure he's the gentleman who did that. So yeah, it's so cool how Dave started off with that theme. And then it's almost like saying, okay, yeah, like you said, this is not your father's Donkey mm-hmm. Kong. This is a new generation here. They couldn't have been more direct with that messaging. <laughs> Yeah, the boombox. Kind of a shame how the music evolved organically for the Donkey Kong Country series, slowly getting more serious and more electronic, etc. But then, you know, it was basically reboot on the Nintendo 64. And honestly... It got got a little goofy again with Grant. It got goofy, and I feel like it was sort of... um, I wasn't given its proper 
do. After all, I can I can see that. I can see what you're saying there. I mean, I, I don't completely like, disagree with that. I was about to say it felt like Banjo Kazooie reject uh, music. Yeah, one and of the songs it, yeah, yeah. was literally yeah. a Banjo Kazooie reject. Yeah, song. it definitely doesn't have uh, an incredible, unique identity yeah. from Banjo Kazooie. It sounds similar. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. The, the elephant in the room is the same composer. Grant Kirkhope does have a very signature compositional style that it's kind of unavoidable. But the thing is. I mean, he's such a different composer than Dave Wise. Like, yeah. Dave is like, I feel much more slow and really likes buildups. He doesn't like giving you something immediately. He likes building a groove. He likes techno music. Grant really likes poppy, immediate, catchy, in-your-face melodies. Right. And I don't melodies. think that's something that Dave really likes as much. I think it just happens to be something he's also incredibly gifted at. But just even this song, how great of a melody that is, the way that he paces it just indicates to me that that's not necessarily his first priority and so i think those are some of the the differences and so it's like it it doesn't necessarily help in the donkey kong series that the last time we heard it in donkey kong country 3 was probably the most Uh serious and like carl was saying the most tragic example and now on the 64 we have sort of that boom 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 boom, 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 i mean you boot up the cart and it's going Oh, okay. That's a whole other can of worms. But I think Mm -hmm. Grant Kirkhope is capable of putting more originality into his soundtracks than he did for Drunk Nine Sixty Four. If you look, well, well, one, well, one thing I do want to defend uh, Mr. Kirkhope is I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys know, but he told the story when we interviewed him on our podcast is that that was an error when he was overworked. Yeah, he was working on three soundtracks, three soundtracks simultaneously, and was going back and forth. He was and having he to just, do like Perfect Dark, that, and also like Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, Banjo Tooie, something like that. And and he was so overworked. And I don't think most people would say, "Oh man, that sounds like a rush soundtrack." I mean, Perfect no. Dark is so good. Oh, yeah. Banjo Two is great. And I like and DK sixty four. It's just it's not it's not exactly anything like Donkey Kong Country, yeah. but. I don't know. There's one of those map themes. Like the first map theme is such mm. a kick-ass song. It's just so melodic, and it to me it fits at home in more the world of Nintendo music, where it's like Donkey Kong Country is so novel and unique, and yeah. it's just such a departure from really anything in video game music up to that point. Where DK64 definitely plays it safe a little bit more, but it has yeah. some awesome melodies, and I mean some of the best music of that console Steven, generation. That I would be theme, curious. That was originally written for Dream. Right? Are we, oh, are, we about, are we talking about are we talking about sixty fours? Donkey sixty four. I thought. Are we talking that or Donkey Country? Sixty four. Yeah, the overworld theme for sixty four. That was originally written for the banjo yeah. prototype, right? Yeah, it was. Dream. It was in. Yep. It was pretty much the exact same song lifted and put into sixty four. Mm-hmm. Which maybe it's because he was overworked and that was yeah. really useful. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would be really curious to hear what Grant would have done if he only was working on that yeah. game and he took more time, see, which he honestly didn't have to yeah. listen to maybe more of Dave's music and try to do something that feels slightly more like it was carrying the torch right. uh, of Dad's I think the stuff. thing that we might have to give him credit for is that his job wasn't necessarily to sound like Dave Weiser, to sound like Donkey Kong Country. I think he was just um, kind of looking at it like, here's the game I'm making, I'm trying to fit the style. And to me, when I look at that game, 
I think the music absolutely fits kind of the aesthetic of the game. Yep. And I think my overall problem with the game is that it's not enough like Donkey Kong. It's incredibly Kong. boring. Yeah, yeah I was it's, to it's say, too much kind of like cliche video game yeah. going around fetching all these different items. And it, it, there's no intensity. There's no, yeah, you can't what's have the rhythm to it because there's no rhythm to the game. It's it so like not, yeah, yeah, like yeah, adapting the game. Nothing about the game feels like Donkey mm-hmm. Kong to me. Nothing. I Which like I think even, that's the problem. Even that, that could have been. You collect bananas. Well, that mm, there are bananas <laughs> in it. Got you there. <laughs> I feel like you should only collect bananas if it's on your way to the end of the level in a right. side scroll. Like you shouldn't have to go out of your way to look for. But them. only collect the bananas that are the color of your character, because otherwise you cannot get those oh my bananas. Gosh, red bananas, will... blue bananas, yellow bananas. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of legwork in that game. Good that call. game is just bananas. Oh. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I really do feel that like. Um, Kirk Cope could have done something a lot better than what he put forward if he was given the time. And it's not so much that I need it to sound exactly like Donkey Kong Country, but it didn't present an identity of its own well, either. The, the great point is the game didn't present an identity yeah. of it. So, so the soundtrack kind of is what the game deserved in a weird way. Yeah. That's not to say either is bad in my opinion. I mean, I to me, the soundtrack is worlds ahead of what the game presents i mean there's there's a lot of tracks in that game that are really memorable and mm-hmm. super catchy i think again it, it it was a tough act to follow um I, the the excuse of like him working on all the things but also it was such a different game mechanically i think he was just trying to respond to that but i do agree like it feels so much like banjo kazooie but something that i wonder if banjo kazooie didn't exist we would probably uh give dk64 more slack in a lot of regards but i think mm-hmm. part of the problem is since banjo kazooie already existed and it's, it's almost better like, yeah donkey kong <laughs> uh-huh. 64 didn't need to exist both the game yep. and the soundtrack it really just felt like it was like a banjo kazooie game in a donkey kong coat of paint do you guys brian steven do you guys know how well did dk64 sell that's a good question i, I don't know off the top of my head i don't know i, I mean it'd be, it would have been interesting if it they just made it uh I, was it made in it was made between Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yep. thought. Yeah. Um, because it, I think it came out a very similar time to two. I think they both came out around two thousand. Yeah, it felt like that genre was just blowing up at that point. Yeah, and so they it was kind, kind of, of a filler adapted. project. It felt like in, uh, in mm-hmm. many ways, just because yeah. they needed a Donkey Kong game for the for the sixty four. But exactly. So um, moving on here to question number seven. We're almost in the end here. Um, what are some existing or potential remixes of this piece that you find interesting? There's so many. I don't oh, know where yeah. to start. I'm, I mean, I, I love going to OC <laughs> Remix um, for my remixing needs. But I honestly think they haven't really... Um, they haven't found a remix that truly impresses me or brings something brand new and exciting. For, for this song. Yeah. For this particular song. Yeah, one I thing, couldn't agree you know with you find, more, Stephen. Yeah, I totally agree. You know what I find interesting is this song is maybe remixed more than almost any video game song. I mean, uh, maybe Mario or, you know, Dr. Wily or something. But, like, it's remixed so much in games and by, you know, amateur artists. But I don't think I've heard one that I, like, I love. Like, people Eh. get parts of it pretty good. But it's interesting. There's definitely not, like, a definitive remix that I'm familiar with. I kind of liked what Kenji in the Retro Crew did in Donkey Kong Country Returns. I think there's some pretty cool... Yeah, I mean, to me, um, that's, like, a very... It's just kind of, like, taking 
it really is faithful to it, which is what I like. It's basically just like this song, but with slightly more modern instruments, which so far is probably my favorite rendition. Because it doesn't blow me away. Yeah, yeah, even in Tropical Freeze, once you have Dave um, back on the wheel as the composer, it's like it's a remix and it just incorporates that melody. But I mean, that new version of it, I definitely don't like as much as uh, no. the SNES one. And it does fall into that territory of some of the virtual instruments sound a little bit fake. And so I'm a little bit desensitized by this point to some of that stuff. What do you, so, you guys think of... Uh, did with it? Cool. Definitely cool. But still, like, nothing that, like, blew me away. And it definitely, it's not... I don't know if it's the definitive... Re- I don't no. know if there is a definitive remix. What do you guys think of the, the Smash Brothers remix? I was going this? to bring that one up. <laughs> and the, mine was going to be Smash Bros. for N64. Because it's yeah, that's so a pretty good similar, one. but it's just a little bit more... Um, yeah. The sampling is a little bit clearer. Like well, yeah, that might be the definitive that's, remix. Yeah. <laughs> that works because the N64 is also such an iconic sound. Yeah. It still sounds a little bit old school, though. Um, yeah, the, the, I think that's yeah. that's very fun. And this uh, keeps the build-up and everything that makes the song mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. I actually so. attribute a lot of this song's um, recognizable success to Super Smash Bros. Because there are, are so many players who... You know, just got together with their friends. And they're like, oh, man, yeah. I remember that song back from the SNES. And it just reminded everyone of it all over. And the also, there's, yeah. there's probably people now in 2014, maybe when they play, uh, you know, the new Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that song from Smash Brothers <laughs> for 64, exactly. the first time I ever heard it. Yeah. I mean, it's true. The first time I ever heard the infamous DK rap was, oh, was I in think, Melee? in like, it was in Melee. Oh. I remember being like, what the hell is this? This is awful. <laughs> you know, this you know what is I so think stupid. is interesting? <laughs> Um, like, as long as we're talking about this. or Smash Bros. What's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah, I thought they made it for the game. I'm like, how embarrassing. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, no. This. There was two famous songs that the first time I heard them were, was Smash Brothers. The the Kirby song, you know, the chase. The first time I ever heard that was actually for the 64 Smash Brothers. And the first time, I mean, because I never played Kirby Superstar. And the first time I heard the famous Zelda 2 Temple song was in Smash Brothers. I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm like, why don't they play a Zelda song on this stage? That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why, why are they thought. playing a, a Why are they playing like a James Bond mini boss theme? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. To go back to an old point, it looks like Donkey Kong 64 sold around 4.5 million. Okay. Do we? Can so, you? Can we compare bad. that to like Banjo Kazooie? Um, I could try to look that up. Sure. Oh, okay. Just uh, you want to compare it to GTA 5? Have those numbers? Um, no, no, I don't. Not really? Because that we got to adjust for inflation there. <laughs> For yeah, copies, sure. Carl, you have to adjust for inflation of how many copies were sold. <laughs> oh, it was it was that copies? Uh, that was copies. Yeah, I guess I, I still say it's not fair because there's way more people that yeah. play video games now. Yeah, than w- were in Wikipedia has it as three point seven, and they have Banjo Kazooie at three. Uh, I don't oh. see Banjo Kazooie in the list. For reference, Mario sixty four is around eleven point five. Yeah, you so have to adjust for see... inflation of gamers, yes. gamer inflation. <laughs> well, and that now we see why they made DK sixty four. I mean, it obviously did sell pretty well, and I think they probably wanted to integrate the mechanics that they did in Banjo Kazooie into something that maybe more people would play. Yeah. But I think we can agree it yep. wasn't the best. Yeah, Banjo Kazooie is down at two million, so it sold a lot better. Um, Interesting. I'm sad about that now because I think Banjo Kazooie is a lot better. Me too. Do you have? Well, we find that stuff all the, over the place. Do you have the number for GTA Five? Sixteen million. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something that's so sad to me and talking about retro, I mean, my favorite game and Carl's favorite game uh, ever is Metroid Prime for the oh, game. I think fantastic. it's a perfect game. I play it like every year. It's just one of my favorites. Do you own and- it on the Wii Collection? Yeah, I have every version of it. Uh, <laughs> Good for you. But, Excellent. But the thing is, um, that game, the entire trilogy, all those games combined sold less than Donkey Kong Country Returns, which is an amazing what? game. But to me, it's so it's so sad that it's like oh. that Returns, just this kind of fun so sad. You know, spinoff of the Donkey Kong Country games, sells better than like three of the most immersive atmospheric yep. games. It's a sad to me that's like sometimes I the wonder if game doesn't um, necessarily sell better. And you I wonder, wonder if that's the reason we we haven't heard anything from uh, you know that famous Metroid, Metroid it, series. It can be tough to sell a Metroid game. There's no lies about that. It it has a I hard mean, time being a straight shooter. And, so. and, and I get sad a, about it every year when they don't announce it at E3. Yeah, like, I think it's because it's, it's more popular. Anytime when a Nintendo series is like almost exclusively popular in America, that's a problem. Oh, yes. You know, I don't think oh, it does well in Japan. That's a shame. Because, yeah, you wonder why things like Assassin's Creed come out with, you know, Assassin's Creed every single year. And the name, building the name seems to be one of the biggest parts that then gets games to sell. Yep. Uh, yep. And so people have learned to harness that until the name gets tarnished and then they, you know, build up another one. Uh, Watchdogs. So we'll <laughs> see how that goes for them. Um, well, that's hey, why but... I like DK Island Swing. Oh, wait. Where did <laughs> <we> <laughs> uh, that that is why I like Well, we DK had to fill about an hour. It's that so. great remix of <laughs> Watchdogs. But uh, I, I actually, uh, to jump back to the remix thing, Yeah. Um, I think I've decided one of the remixes I would really, really like to hear someone. Uh, what is that? I would like a really um, sort of muted, distorted guitar to take the spotlight for the main melody of uh, Island Swing. And then mm-hmm. everything else being with a really good deep bass and then maybe some drums. And all of the build-up is done with the one bass and the drums and then that electric guitar coming in and being almost like really slow it down, you know, really kind of uh, explore each of those notes as much as possible. I think that'd be. A I really gotta say, I gotta say, Stephen, you have such a distinct, specific vision. I think you need to work on this remix. Oh man, but I can't, Brian. Play the guitar for right. me. I'll instruct you. I can work with you on this remix. Good luck, Brian, Brian because I, he sounds like he's going to be very particular <laughs> about the way like, your guitar why tone did you is. Play that for three and a half beats. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, more I want muted. it more muted. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know any musical terms, so I'm like, it needs to be more like, like, uh, emotional. You know, like the. Uh-huh. Get the thing right. The thing. I, mean, like, I love that thing. though. No, I like I like not speaking in musical terms, especially like Carl and I have a little experience working with like uh, game developers. But sometimes it's difficult when they use musical terms if they don't uh-huh. actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, I then it's really confusing. Yeah, I prefer don't ever use musical terms. If you guys don't need know. just talk about emotion. It's hard to be in falsetto for yeah. most of the. Uh, <laughs> most of- yeah. Emotional terms, everybody understands that. So <laughs> That's talk actually about a emotions. really good point and something we had to be careful of on this podcast because, you know, mm-hmm. as we get more into music, we get a cursory knowledge of some terms. So we have to be really careful that we don't use them when we don't know what we're talking yes. about. Yeah, also, sure. definitely, sure. You definitely have an extensive knowledge of vocabulary because cursory is a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> word in your repertoire. Thank you. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, that that covers all our questions, so I'm going to go ahead and move up here to the last one, which is the most important one of this whole podcast. What have you been working on? Well, I have this remix that I really want to get done. 
I hear a falsetto guitar in my head. Uh, Carl and Will, you guys were talking about a uh, Indiegogo campaign you just started. Yeah, we have we have a pretty exciting summer, uh, pretty creative summer ahead of us here. Um, our brother Marty, who is the third Marcado bro, he actually wrote an original musical for uh, Minnesota Fringe Fest, which is a festival where we're from, Minnesota. It takes place yeah, the in musical, early August. Yeah, the musical is called Fire Flower, and what it is, it's sort of if you take the kind of imaginative world of super Mario brothers or just classic video games, very inspired by that as far as just kind of the story and the imagery, but it's done through the lens of like a golden era, 1930s style musical, something like the wizard of Oz wizard. of Oz, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a great combination because you get a lot of sort of eighties, nineties video game, retro nostalgia, but almost done in a more timeless package and it's very kind of on the nose about being yeah so like, i mean if anyone's interested um fire i would just google fireflower musical on either google or sure, facebook and you can find some info we have <laughs> yeah we have a indiegogo page up now if anyone's interested in contributing yeah right. maybe we a pretty small the, the link in uh some description somewhere mm-hmm. but yeah yes, on indiegogo yes. i think it's called fireflower an original musical comedy is the wording so yeah. yeah, so so we're both in it. Will and I both have acting parts. I play one of the think of it like a Goomba character, like a scarecrow, like the first friend he meets, and Will plays the bad guy whose name is Browser. So we're we're kind of working on that. Uh, as far as our podcast, uh, next when this, if this comes out Saturday, then in a couple days when you're listening to this uh, on Monday, we have our Darren Corb episode coming out where we interview uh, the wonderful composer. So we've been you know. Yeah, working on that amazing. um amazing yeah will will has that really awesome metroid project he said earlier he's been working on that i yeah i'm I super project, excited about um, that will can talk a little bit about it, but i have a project i'm doing i'm working on um remixing um the music of the Swordcraft story series for the game boy advance which is not a lot of people actually know but it's some of my favorite video game music so i'm doing kind of modern remixes oh, of that we'll see how much i end up doing Swordcraft, man i haven't heard that name in a long time Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I'm working on. That's cool. Okay, awesome. So, what, tell us a little about a little bit about the Metroid thing, though, because I like Metroid a lot. Yeah, so do I. And like, this is going to be awesome, guys. Prime being my favorite game, I've always just been super uh, engaged in the games. It, it's probably my favorite video game series, just in that I play through every single title probably annually. It's just like a thing that I do because I love them so much, and I love the character of Samus. Um, and the music, you know, it's just such an integral part of my childhood. I just can't separate it from the experience. But I really wanted to take an objective lens and and see what was kind of going on, whether I would like it or dislike it or see what was novel there. And, you know, I've just come out having so much more appreciation for composers like Hirokazu Tanaka, um, Manako Homano, and almost most importantly, Kenji Yamamoto. All of those individuals just brought such a unique style to the series. And I, the thing that impresses me most is the way that they're able to deal with ambience and dissonance in a way that's still catchy. Because people can sing and hum these tunes from Metroid. They're still very memorable and catchy, yet they're also able to be ambient. And sometimes they're able to be really dissonant. Like, I've been listening to a lot of, like, Metroid Fusion. Like, it's able to be very complex. Like, there's a lot of tracks like da 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 da
like very complicated, weird stuff going on. But like it's really memorable and it works and it's able to be scary. Well, so I've been just trying to capture what I think is great about kind of the emotions and the things that I'm able to point to in the music that I see again and again and then implement them the most authentically that I can. So like in the NES stuff, I'm really trying to go for like a hip Tanaka sound. And then in Super Metroid, I don't want it to sound like that at all. I really want it to sound more like the emotions of that game. And when I get to Prime, I'm probably going to inf- have a little bit more of like a modern techno-y influence and working with the synths, but it's still yeah, so, I mean, in the works. From my perspective, I, what I'm excited for is to have an album, a comprehensive album that literally kind of goes from generation to generation yeah. and tries to model every single one. I don't know. I'm not aware of anyone else that's tried something like that. So I'm excited for this from Will. I think the name of it is uh, Child of the Chozo. Is yes, that right, Will? that's right. Cool. It's a great so, name. Uh, yeah, because it seems looking to forward like a to lot that. of people might go through a series but stick with a single style for that series. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, which we've done. Yeah, because it's really fun. it's it's hard to do this, especially in a series where you're looking at like a bunch of different composers. It's like it's mm-hmm. really challenging to be kind of operating in those three different worlds. And the thing that I'm most excited about is sort of the last track is going to be. Um, I'm gonna really try to work on this, but it's gonna be a medley of all of them. And oh, so wow. there's gonna be it's gonna be a big like twenty track album, but the last track is gonna be an orchestral medley. Maybe if you ever heard the uh Super Metroid orchestral medley years ago, but it's like an eight minute medley of all the best themes from Super Metroid and it's orchestral and it's fantastic. And so I kinda wanted to do something like that where once you're done with this album uh, then you have this orchestral medley, which will hopefully sound really nice, which will have themes from like the NES style, the Super Nintendo style, and the more modern kind of GameCube era style, and all put them in the same kind of environment. I'm hoping to kind of create the feeling where it's like when I listen to medleys of video game music, you know, it feels iconic and I'm drawing back on nostalgia, but I'm curious to see if I can kind of create those feelings all within the context of a single album. So it's kind of ambitious, but I'm curious to see if it works. We'll see if he ever finishes it, folks. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Wow, well, how far along? That's <laughs> amazing and extremely ambitious. Um, I actually have one question about it before we end the show. Sure. Um, in some of you, uh, the past albums you guys have put out, you'll try to emulate um, almost as if you're creating a fictional soundtrack to a fic or a fic a real soundtrack to a fictional game. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, it, are you right. doing the same thing here, or is it more well, of an homage? Yeah. In for general? this one, what what I'm what I'm going for is uh, because it's following the styles. I can't really think of it as like a fictional game. What yeah. I'm trying to do more here is. Uh, I'm actually being more specific to tracks. So I'm looking at like, what's great about Craig's theme? Okay, well, it's this three, four thing. It's kind of dissonant. It has, so I'm just kind of looking and starting a little bit more from like, what's good about this song and how can and I, I make I, something that, and feels then maybe like what's good about that generation, focusing yeah. on that generation, mm-hmm. then moving on to the next one. And, and so, in the course of an album, yeah, I'm know. trying to have a balance of like songs that definitely feel inspired by one track and also ones that are just kind of an amalgam of Metroidy goodness so i hopefully you have a some things where it's like oh yes this feels right and some things where it's like oh this is cool and new but i'm also trying to balance you know i want it to be a good listen i don't want to have anything that's like too dissonant because some Uh of the metroid stuff is able to get away with a lot of that because it's not 
an audio only experience. It's background hey, Will, game. So you'll be happy to know that last night I actually started Prime Two for the fifth time. I've never beaten Prime Two, oh, guys. Oh, so I've started it. I've started it so many times and just eventually stopped. So, Will, I started it again. So I'm hoping this time I'll actually beat it. It's great and it has some hard. excellent music. Really hard in that game. I think they even toned yeah. them down in the re-release. They toned them down in the Wii version. Carl, Good, are you doing the Wii version? Like, I yeah, that's what I'm. That's okay, what I'm doing, you have a so. chance this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The boost and Spider Ball Guardian are yes, pretty that's damn. Where I saw. That is Especially where I that boost Guardian. I have like this weird psychological complex with those games, where like I love them so much as a kid, but I got so immersed that even oh, to this I day, I used to get. Will I used to get so mad yeah, at you? Even Will, I was. I used to play Prime back in 2002, and Will was a very, very little kid, and he would run out of the room when I got low energy, when I was about to die, and I got so mad, because he's like, he's not supporting me when I need him. I was so <laughs> afraid, because it's scary, it was I was tense. so afraid of like when, when you die in that game, yeah. and yeah. it's crazy, still to this day, when I got Prime 3 for the first time, at this point, I'm old enough, I should be able to handle this, the first time I got, I was playing that um that one Moganar boss in the first seed place um and i got like energy low and i paused the game and i was thinking like should i mute the tv and i was just i was so nervous about the experience of dying i just shut off the console i'm just like i'm gonna do this again later i i can't i still can't handle dying in that game which something about it is effective but yeah i remember playing that boost guardian was so scary dying is awful and i remember yeah guys island swing is a great track (laughs) Well, this is a little closer because we're asking what he worked on. He worked on Metroid. I can follow the train of thought this time. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. But I, I used to get really tense in Metroid Prime because how they do save points in that game. Yeah. Um, oh, that's my what God. Makes it so yeah. scary. And dying it's is traumatic. Like, it's, like yeah, it's not just you're... like, okay, I died. Now I'm going back to the beginning of this fight again like most modern shooters. It's like, whoa, I would have to go back a really long way. I do not want to die. And yes, well, how and they it's handle just... it. It's like the only game I've ever played with a completely consistent universal aesthetic throughout the entire experience. Like everything that you read, see, hear, do in the game is completely reinforced. So I think that's why it's the most immersive video game, in my opinion. So it's like dying feels like dying and Mm -hmm. it's so sudden and like you hear her scream and it's like you don't hear Samus do a lot of things because you kind of are her. So it's like, oh, God, it's uh, frightens me. I used to have nightmares about that game. Wow, yet it well, is still your favorite game. It's absolutely my <laughs> Some, favorite. Someday we will relate the tale of Andros from Star Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> traumatic nightmares for me. That was my video game traumatic experience. Uh, Andros is pretty fr- The Polygon one from SNES. Oh, yeah, yeah. that one. It was in 64. The N64 uh, with the monkey where he's like looking yes. at mm-hmm. I was just like shooting his eyeballs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was not expecting it at all. And I was really close to the TV and I was super young. And then that came out of nowhere and it freaked me out. <laughs> um, oh, that's yeah. Uh... <laughs> that was my so that's another thing we're control. working on. Still trying to pay off the psychiatry bills for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Get him a little bit of counseling. Andros won't have his way with well, the last thing pretty enthralling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Carl, the last thing that we should mention is oh, sure. uh, we actually we were lucky enough to work on there's this new uh remix album coming out by the guys over at shinesparker.net called Harmony of Heroes, which is uh, actually it's remixing um tunes that have been featured throughout the Smash Brothers series and a bunch of different artists are working on this. Carl and I were asked to work on it by uh the creator Darren. He's a great guy and 
Carl and I got the opportunity to work on uh, the track from uh, Balloon Fight. You know, that. And we did this really kind of cool, like, reggae kind of thing. And we used a lot of real instruments. Yeah, recorded instruments. So we had a lot of fun working on that. But I'm really excited to hear. I haven't really heard what the album sounds like because it's still in the process of getting mastered but i think it's going to be cool because you know the smash brothers series so many classic gaming legends and also so much great so, yeah. music is featured so it's pretty it, much so. like any song that has ever been in any smash brothers game so that's pretty much like every video game song right you know what i mean so mm-hmm. it's crazy that's that sounds awesome okay i will definitely look out for that yeah, it's called right. Harmony yeah, of be- Heroes. If you go on shinesparkers.net, the last uh, project that they did like this was called Harmony of a Hunter. Yeah, which I was love actually, that album uh, so much. Yeah, Metroid arrangement. Yeah, you're probably going to like this a lot, It's the guys. same dudes. It's going to be in That's a similar so awesome. style to Harmony of a Hunter. I remember yeah, so, uh, being on that compilation. That sounds so cool. So yeah. I'll be curious to hear how our uh, reggae balloon fight theme, you know, how that fits with the rest of the um, artist's yeah. work. So that should be fun <laughs> to hear that. Great. Well, that sounds like you have you guys have a ton going on right now. That's cool. Pretty much. I guess so. I've been feeling pretty lazy, actually, lately. <laughs> but this just makes me feel less apathetic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's just Will's problem. He always has to be doing something, which I, I share that. I need to be working on a project or else I feel just, like, miserable. Yeah, I look at your guys' music library, and I'm like, how did these guys get so much <laughs> done? Good gosh. We always try to <laughs> counteract it. We're just like, okay, we're not going to do this much. We're going to let's take a break this time. And then we take a week off and it's like, okay, let's get back to it. Yep. <laughs> well, for uh, this brotherly duo, um, we have kind of been toning back the project we've been making, actually, because we have a bunch in the works, um, mm-hmm. but none of them are ready to go. And I just don't know if we have time to put them out. Um, so unfortunately we don't really have anything interesting to announce, <laughs> but <laughs> train station eight is still plugging away. Um, as is its parent site, whales or whales. Nice. Uh, and the falsetto guitar remix of, I yeah, but that hasn't been officially announced yet. But yeah, please. Oh, sorry. That hasn't been officially. <laughs> the trailer hasn't been released yet. Sorry. <laughs> keep an eye on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we, we do. So have... I think we just reached the five-hour mark, just as a benchmark. <laughs> I think we're halfway through the episode. That's just for this question. Yeah, <laughs> I think we... yeah this has been all, actually all different <laughs> yeah. parts of one question. Now, now anyways, the guys, next back track to in the Island Donkey Kong Country song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, this is horrific. Oh, Aquatic ambiance. What if yes, we did this man. for every track in the game, and this was just one episode that's like forty hours long? <laughs> that would actually be super interesting. But I just went over that thing where I didn't have enough time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, a couple things for Transition 8. I uh, want to remind everyone our new iTunes feed is up and running, so be sure to check that out. It's yeah, the I got to get on that stuff. Yes, it'll be the I one. the with- old feed. I thought you guys just quit the show. I was <laughs> oh, really no, sad. Yes. We, we've- I was worried about you guys. <laughs> Especially because you asked us to do an episode. I'm like, <laughs> are they just waiting for us to We're do the ghosts. next episode? We don't have anyone else to do episodes with, never really. <laughs> yes. Especially because um, we had to, like, we didn't, I don't know if we canceled, but we kind of had to, like, reschedule. Yeah, we, yeah. we had a lot of rocky problems, which I think most of the listeners were perfectly aware of. <laughs> because we did have to cancel one week. But uh, we're Steve, back! You have the, um, the, a message on that feed, right? Telling people to switch. Did you ever record uh, that? I yeah, it should have been there. Right. I'll <laughs> make sure that's up there. So like, it should have been. Okay, I'll make sure it is. It'll be I think I see it on the feed. I think I see it there where it talks about uh, the switching of. There's an like a a name in the feed where it talks about switching it. Excellent. Okay, that's okay, good. and it's in there. Yeah. So just and if you're hearing this, you'll be on our new feed. But yeah, 
Um, yeah, so check that out. Please leave us reviews if ever you want to. Five stars, great. And let us know what you thought about this episode because this is something different uh, mm-hmm. than what we normally do. So email us or whatever. You can get get in contact with us at our website, which is whalesorwhales.com slash trainstation at eight. Um, or just go yeah, to feel free to send all of your hate mail for Carl and myself at supermarcadobrothers at gmail.com. I will do that. Thank you. I have so much hate mail. You could also forward it to us because we'd like to read it. It'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> CC. Yeah, I would CC everybody on it. Exactly. Uh, make sure we're all copied on the email. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find us at whalesorwhales.com. You can email us, uh, us at trainstation at eight at gmail.com. Um, check us out on Twitter, Transition at 8. And yeah, we are a production of Whales or Whales. So for more shows like this with people like us, check that out. Uh, we're doing oh, a lot are of whales, Are whales whales? Absolutely. Whales are whales. Absolutely. Oh, great. Confirmed. Yeah. We, we just... thought it was like not clear enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that the, the name isn't Whales are Fish because that would be a lie. Oh, there you go. We, yeah. We definitely just. Because they're mammals. These. Right. They're not. They're not fish. Right. So I'm, I just wanted to. If I said anything today, I want to make sure that that's clear. So now we just sh- reached the six-hour mark. <laughs> so that's that's actually what I like about the whales or whales name is since I mentioned on every episode that ensures I'm going to say at least one true thing mm-hmm. every every episode I record. And that might be the only thing. Yeah. That's, that's okay. probably the only thing. <laughs> so yeah, check us out there. Other shows like this, we are updating a few things there, so we'll hopefully have announcements in the future. Um, and that will wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for coming. That was so much fun. Sure thing. Yeah, we had a blast. Thanks for having us. Uh, Steven, thank you for being my brother and coming again. You're welcome. I had no control over one of those things. (laughs) And Will, thanks for being my brother and coming on with me. You're welcome. Steven, thank you for being Brian's brother. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, thank you for being Will's brother. All (laughs) right. Let's drag this out by all means. (laughs) This is like Christmas Eve right now. Just good night, good night, good night. I opened this show saying it was going to be a shorter episode. (laughs) I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. When you get four video game music nerds together, it's not going to be yeah, short. Apparently not. Even if they talk Literally about one two song. brother duos with all these stories of being frightened as a little child by video <laughs> games. So anyway, much. thanks so much, guys, for having and us. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And, of course, most importantly, say goodbye to the Monkey Force.